You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Anoop. Today, I'm super excited to talk to David Bateman on Journey to Leadership. Our guest for today, David was the senior director for VMware's end-user computing business for the Asia-Pacific region. With a background in technology and business systems, as well as an extensive background at VMware's across UC portfolio, David is in the unique position of advising clients in GTM planning and execution in the APAC region. David, super excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the show. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening. Great to be with you. And thanks very much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation that we're going to have today. Just as a little bit of a primer, I mean, by each more introduction for the audience. So I've had, a, I think, an interesting career. I've started out as a technologist working in IT and then went on to actually move into different roles. I had the opportunity to work for marketing across Asia, Pacific and Japan and then moved back into technology. I was chief technologist for a while and more recently have been running a large business. And, and in that time, much of it, probably about half of it was spent with one particular company and I had the opportunity to sort of build a new software category as a marketer, work through the technology and then finally run a business that went from zero up to a billion dollars globally. It's been quite a journey for me. Hopefully we can talk about a few of the things that maybe I can reflect on or learned a little bit along the way. But the other side, of course, is that I have this incredible opportunity and that may have guessed from my accent that I'm actually Australian. I'm based in Singapore nowadays, but Australian. Great, great. David, according to McKinsey, when it comes to sales growth, sales leaders need a people growth mindset. What is your take on this? Mm, particularly what's transpired in the last 12 months. So, you know, McKinsey, I mean, they have wrote an article with an opinion on sort of sales growth and, and around a growth mindset. I mean, really, they're sort of we're talking about making that the number one mission in any organization is growth and then falling in behind that, which is, you know, I think obviously a great, great paradigm to run with. But if you, if you dig into that a bit deeper, it really talks around, I think, around having a clear mission and a belief and a passion in that mission about what you need to do as an organization and make that your number one, two, three priority. You know, growth is obviously part of that from a business perspective. But then go, hey, it's great that you can send an email and say, you know, David wants growth today. You know, that's what I'd like. We all want growth. We all want, you know, scale. But then how do you actually achieve that? And it's really, I think, around this notion of taking the people and the team you have around them, you know, subscribing them or embarling them with this same growth mindset and then empowering them to actually go and take risks and make moves and build the partnerships to go and achieve that goal, that growth mindset you have. And, and that's really, I think, if you look at maybe you're badly plagiarised, but look at the you know what Gandhi said, which was taking, moving from a, a muscle, a memory, from a do, into actually really thinking about the relationship and your internal people, your part, business partners and your customers about how you interact, relate, bring them on the journey. And at the end of that, you end up with an environment where you can grow, an environment where you have a very different relationship. It's something that I've discovered certainly over the last 12 months. Also, customers that I've known for many years, it's become a much more personal 
and particularly for those who do business in Asia Pacific and Japan, the relationship is very important. Those relationships have strengthened. They've become a lot more, you know, with the use of, of Zoom and things, much more personal. We're in each other's homes talking to each other. But that relationship of moving from people or, or a, a sales number into actually helping organisations and having a stake around what they're trying to achieve, which drives their growth and hence your growth, those things are really important. And I think that's really where we speak around this people growth mindset, subscribing to the mission, understanding where to get to, and then having the personal context of both your employees and your customers and business partners is what really makes that come together. Great. So can you explain to our listeners what exactly is the role of a core sales leader? Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, that's that's a big question. And I would think of it, I mean, if, if I put a a slash between sales and leader. I mean, it could be an engineering leader or, you know, team leader in a hospital or it doesn't matter, some sort of leadership. Sales, like any other profession, obviously has a component of skill set. You know, in, in the case of sales, there's a core competency and the ability to build sales strategy and numbers and, you know, all the pieces that go behind actually operating a sales team as it would be for an engineer or other roles. But what does it mean to take on a leadership role as compared to the muscle, as you were talking about before? And that's what really what's key. And that's been a journey for me. I mean, for, for what it's worth, there's many books written on the subject, but I'll, I'll sort of put in my sort of perspective anyway. For me, a few things that I've learned in, in my life is that everyone is different. Although I might be inspired by others, I had to reach a point of balance to think about what makes me, David Wakeman, authentic and genuine when I come to the role of, of being a leader and how do I take the things that are important to me and then deliver to some other people and then get them involved and joining on that journey. And I'll give you a, a kind of short anecdote there. So when I first started current sort of business, I mean, we started at zero, we had, we had a new software, piece of software coming out and we we're out there and the first mission was go and establish a software category. And that meant speaking at every event and talking to analysts and getting out with sandwich boards in the street, handing out leaflets, email, whatever we could do to go and sort of convince people of this software product. And, you know, I spent a lot of time as a vendor on stage talking, you know, we've got this phenomenal technology and it's got widgets and it does wonderful things. And it wasn't until about five or six years later and I was actually in India and we were doing a, a large customer event that we, we run annually there and I had a meeting and this gentleman came to me and he proudly handed me his business card and the category that I worked in, we had this thing called end user computing and that's the, the sort of software category we work with, handed me his card and he said, oh, David, look, I've seen you speak the last few years and his card, I can't remember the gentleman's name, his, I remember it was, he was desktop administrator end user computing. And this is a junior guy, he wasn't a CIO, other people. But what landed on me then was here's an individual who had taken this sort of marketing name that we given for a category and he was making a career out of it. He, he, he decided that he was going to support his family and wanted to be an end user computing specialist. Then I thought about my team you know, who'd looked at David Wake with his little presentation and features and function and what though I was delivering to them wasn't, wasn't widgets, it was a belief in something that was worthwhile doing something that I believe was important and people subscribed for that journey. Customers chose to at all levels buy or not buy our software. People came to work for me and said, I'm going to make my career. And I've got many in my team who I've seen, you know, get married and have families and children. So we asked about it, leadership, you know, that passion and belief that I mean, what you actually do, and then the ability to take different people along for the journey because it's worthwhile doing. I mean, you've got to find that in yourself. Different people will articulate that, but that focus on what it is that you do, it smooths the bumps away when there's many distractions. It keeps people tabled on what you need to do. 
And that I think if you can find that in yourself and believe it and articulate it and get it out there, I mean, that for me is, a, is leadership and, and people will choose to follow a leader or not. You can't make them, but more often than not, if you've got that belief in yourself and what you're doing is worthwhile, you will find people will come on you with the journey. Gartner says CSOs around the globe are taking decisive action by implementing innovative practices, driving change to address unique challenges. Mm-hmm. What's your take on this? Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, they're two important characteristics to be resilient and how you're going to go through and drive. And that speaks to what I was speaking to before around a clear common purpose in your mind, a goal that you're driving to, a passion and belief that it's worthwhile. And that also, hence, takes out a lot of the distractions that get in the way in day to day. And as we would all know, every day there's a new agenda and you something that could easily sway you from what you need to do. And I think that that belief and understanding of your purpose is just key to any leadership role. This last 12 months has been really interesting. And and in some ways, it's forced leadership to really focus on things that are important. I know the first thing, you know, we went through in the last 12 months was really thinking about getting back to the core of our people and our customers. So, you know, before anything else, we had to think about, you know, how do we support other, you know, our, our business partners and customers in their mission to, you know, stay afloat, adapt and change, whatever the conditions were. And I, I deal with all industries, some extremely challenged and still are, and some obviously went saw opportunity and growth. So thinking from that lens and then having from my team specifically around supporting their needs as they went to work from home or some of them who did have to go out and work, you know, that kind of focus around being very focused on the client and what's important and helping people, you know, not just sort of survive but grow in the new environment, that really speaks to resilience and focus and how to go forward. So I would I would say cutting through the noise, getting back to the basic of what a particular business and the people inside it need. I see that from CISOs and CIOs and and various C-suites around the world who are saying, look, David, I'm really clear on my number one priority at the moment. I need short answers. I need innovation. I need to know how to get there. I need you to help me with how I can go and achieve this. And if you can't, that's okay, but tell me now and we can move on. And I think I see a lot of that where priorities have been paired back to sort of the, the core focus and people are very, very aware of making sure that their teams are fit and able and aware of that purpose and how to get there. So, you know, that leads to decisive actions and going forward. So I think that's sort of the very, the very, very high level where we can talk a bit more about some of the practices, what people are doing specifically, but that that's the first step. Those who haven't are struggling. Those who have got back and quickly taken stock are, are doing well. There is a tectonic shift towards a digital channel. And sales organizations need to rethink their customer engagement strategies to focus. What's that big change you have adopted? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean resilience is a big part on, and, and the ability to change. And it's interesting if I look at people from inside and outside the organization I currently work for, you can see those who have struggled with changing needs and those who have embraced change. And, and also, too, it's not, I don't want to sort of put people in little pigeonholes or buckets. You know, we, we all struggle with change in somehow. And I'll give a personal anecdote for me. I mean, I, my role involved a lot of travel. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I love seeing customers. You know, the year before COVID, you know, I think I did 217 or, or something. I've got a little app that tracks it. Some ridiculous amount of travel around through Asia Pacific and Japan. And, and that was, for me, one of the great points of my job. You know, suddenly we're on some sort of video conferencing facility and it's been that way for a year and a half and I've been working from home most of that time, so in an apartment here in Singapore. So for me, one of the big motivators that I loved about my job had changed. It changed to be 
much more purpose built. We'd set a call up for half an hour, be to talk about a transaction or, or some back and forth. And, and I struggled with that change initially. So that ability to take stock of where you are and then think about where you need to change your game and shift, you know, be resilient, move and focus is really, really important. And being able to recognize in your team where people are struggling. I mean, it is harder when you're in a virtual format as well to go through and have those little cues because you don't have those corridor conversations. But something else I took time was to call down and just spend time with people that I normally would assume when I travel to India or some other country to actually call them directly and just take the temperature of what's going on. And you find that at different levels, people do struggle with that change and, and helping them, you know, clear out the noise, not sweat the small stuff. You know, know that it's okay that the kids run through in calls or they're working different hours, you know, setting them free to go and work the way they need to work nowadays. Those are the things that have made a, a difference, I've found personally. But everyone loves to be a martyr and say I've adapted and changed, but I think most of us have struggled a bit and coming together and, and recognising that and then helping people move forward has made a big difference. Um, you know, one testament I would say to that is, you know, look at your attrition. One sort of other little sideline I've seen for those who use LinkedIn, which I think is probably, you know, a lot of Asia apart from a few parts of North Asia. I've seen a lot of folks across the industry churning and that's been a problem across a lot of organisations. It's caused people to take pause and take stock of what they're doing and whether it's really what they want to do. Fortunately, in my organisation, we've not seen that. I'd like to think it's by no small means of just, you know, connecting with people and staying close to them. But, you know, that's just one sort of, you know, telltale sign of when, you know, people are faced with a challenge and, and you know, have itchy feet about maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. Personally, the changes I've adopted, a lot of the traditional sales and marketing tools, you know, emails, face-to-face events obviously haven't worked. For us, when we can go thinking about that mindset of customers and, and real solutions, very targeted innovation, when we go and phone up, for example, an executive and say, look, we've been obviously spent a lot of time on your business. I think I've got something important to talk to you about, not a sales pitch, but we've crafted something that's meaningful and it's a short, focused engagement on something that they can action. That's what's changed. So I do a lot of, you know, half hour one-on-ones or small meetings with executives. We do small round tables. Folks are looking for content solutions, you know, not great big long presentations, you know, things that they can take to the table quickly. So I think that's a big change I've adopted. You know, we've used a lot more for discovery of clients, tooling that's available from various vendors around understanding, you know, the organizational structure better, what people are doing. So those things that are short, focused, targeted, but with good quality IP before you actually go into a conversation rather than just fishing expeditions. That's what's changed inside my my organization specifically. Customers maybe are a little bit more transactional at the moment, you know, large mega projects harder to deliver at the moment. So really being focused on what need to. So that's kind of just from my perspective on what's changed for me personally as a sales leader. So David, as a leader, Mm -hmm. how do you inspire others and shape their actions? I probably sort of touched on that earlier with the story about the, the gentleman who had his name card and he named it after sort of the, the little industry that I, I'd got together in a think tank many, many years ago in a, in a room in America with the product marketing team. I, I think it's around that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of the person who needs to love what he's doing and needs to believe in what I'm doing. So I would say the first thing is before you inspire others, are you inspired? You, you can't fake it. You know, they heard that old expression, you know, if you want to make it, you can't fake it, right? Like you need to believe in it. And, you know, there's a reason why you get up in the morning and you sit at late at night doing calls. And are you still in touch with that pulse of yourself? 
and hopefully doing something that you think is important and worthwhile. That's a career. A job is something you do where you get up each day and pull a lever and, you know, cans of beans come out each day. I mean, all of us hopefully listening are about a career. It's something that we're going to spend a third of our waking life doing and and are powerful about. So get really in touch with what you're doing. For me, I work in a company in an industry where we deal with end users. So we help people use technology at work to improve themselves and to improve their process. So think about that at a time when the whole world is trying to think about culture and how to work. I happen to work in a space which help people do that. So I just found that profoundly interesting. You know, I've been in a crusade for the last year for how can I help people? How can I help organizations? You know, this is really in some ways, you know, for those in my sort of sector of IT, our time, right? It's a time when we're a domain expert to help organizations, you know, and help people keep a job, for example. So that's my belief at the the moment. But then once you have that belief, you need to take that to your team and you need to say it often. Don't assume because you think it's in your head, everyone understands what the mission is. It needs to be said again and again, and you can tweet it, you can write it, you can put it on a t-shirt, but you can talk about it in a podcast. But, you know, if you've got that belief in yourself, talk about it, you know, simplify it help others, you know, put their inputs to it, you know, but try and develop that shape and that vision. And and what I found is that if it's worthwhile, people will follow. You can't make them follow. But if you find that you've got that passion for it, most people want to be involved in that. They want to be involved in something that's worthwhile. They, they want to spend their working career doing something that's meaningful. And that's where inspiration comes from, from me. As I said, for me, I've, I've always loved what I'm doing, but but that for me is a key key attribute. I know when I'm struggling for motivation, I look for my peers or my mentors or my boss, whoever it might be to give me that same sort of energy burst. And I know from my team and customers and business partners, they're looking for the same. Any three individuals in B2B tech or marketing that you would love to recommend we bring onto the show? Sure. I'd love to put some colleagues on the spot. The first person I hired five to is a gentleman called Sanjay Deshmukh. Sanjay is actually a colleague of mine living here in Singapore, but he is a, a Mumbai boy through and through. We often joked, you know, often sort of talk about where he'll end up living, you know, when he's older or retired, and there's no doubt he'll, he'll come home back to Mumbai. But big high five to Sanjay. He has been a great sort of source of inspiration and a great colleague and support of me over the years. Second person I high five to is Callum Ede. Callum is a New Zealander. He actually moving from Singapore back to Australia. Now Callum also runs something called Channeling for a Cause. He, he swam the English Channel to raise funds for cancer a few years ago. He hopefully, with travel restrictions even in place, he's hopefully is going to go back and try and do a three, a triple crossing of the channel three times, which I just can't get my head around. I mean, cycling is one thing that's amazing. All for a great cause to raise money for cancer. Callum was a was a cancer sufferer himself once, so high five to Callum. He's gone back to Australia. It's getting into winter there, so hopefully he's going to Sydney. Not too cold there. Not to back New Zealand, but back to Australia. So um, high five to Callum. Safe travel back with your family and keep the swimming up, and we'll all be supporting you as you cross in this channel for a, a wonderful cause, which is channeling for a cause. So are there any books, blog, newsletter or website that you'd love to recommend to our listeners? I've been doing a a lot of podcasts like this. I've been following a a lot of kind of short form more recently. What I would say for folks is read a lot and read often. I've actually been reading too through things like Medium and some of those other sort of new services around a lot of Gen X perspective and thoughts on future of work and how people consider work. It's just been a fascinating topic for me generationally, how folks who are in a different generation to me coming through think about work. So 
I would say take the time if you're older, talk to your kids. If you like to, if you maybe you already are in your 20s or 30s, you're sort of laughing at me. But, you know, take the time to think about and analyze what culture and how we'll be living going forward. I think we are through a generational shift this year. There's opportunity for those of us in business, but there's also some empathy and some understanding that's required just to think about how this is going to transpire in different cultures around the world. So read lots, read often, and have a think about you know different perspectives is what I would encourage people. Awesome. David, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking some time off to be a part of this initiative. In fact, I really enjoyed having this discussion with you. Thank you for joining us. I love talking today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.